0: This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers.
1: And now keeping himself with Martinez, five. He yeah. is going to be in, touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge, runs in from
0: 15 yards out, tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on at Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets, one over the Florida Gators. Now, shoots the three, got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land and a good time was had by all
2: good Saturday morning, late night last night for you Nebraska ball fans. Yes, yes. Early afternoon for volleyball fans.
1: Welcome to edition another edition of the KLI and Husker Hour. Can you imagine if last night, whether it was Isaiah Roby or Trey McGowan's was good from three point land, and a good time was had by all at the end of regulation or, or maybe, at least
2: or maybe uh, even get a shot up to the rim or at, at least a at shot least. went
1: up at some point Frustrating. Are, d- do you think that that was what Fred Hoiberg drew up absolutely not you don't no no he was uh That's tough he he, did, he didn 't mince words and how disappointing that last uh, that last set was um, i 've never seen him that upset and that is you're the real, that is the politest way to that floor. is the politest way to say that yeah um but yeah it was frustrating and with no fans there like you, you could feel the momentum a little bit for Nebraska in the building as, as the game was going the game was going it was a game of runs in the second half mm-hmm. it was a, a 10-point run then a 12-2 run and then a six-point run and a seven-point run and just back and forth yeah. um a lot of fun to watch but then all of a sudden, Nebraska has the ball, goes down and t- or takes the lead by two. And you see Illinois answer, and you're like, Nebraska's going to have the last shot. This, this feels like a giant moment. You could feel it in there, even with just family and then the media. And then to not get a shot up was almost like you went from 15,000 fans to zero. The energy was gone. Um, not that Nebraska necessarily played all that bad in overtime, just didn 't make a shot, got six points at the free throw line. Nice homage to Nebraska football. Yes, they did uh, score
2: from the free throw line at the very least
1: but uh, yeah. but but you saw things just kind of run out in overtime, and you knew it once it went to overtime too that you had to win and it was it was one of those games that you know when you 're when you 're the team trying to get the upset. You have to win that in regulation because if you go to overtime and give that team five more minutes, they're going to take control, and they did from the tip. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It, look, the way that Nebraska played all week, leading up to this, and this is this is the real fun stat of the the COVID replay here as, as Nebraska gets back to play and, and gets all these games in. Yeah, Since four, our last four, show, four games. There in the have last been week. four games. And Fred Hoiberg, I don't know if this is the first time he addressed it, but he definitely addressed it last night. The fact that they're going to, uh, after the Maryland doubleheader, they will have played seven games in 12 days. Across five states. Yeah, and across five, yeah, traveling as well with two of those games at home. Um, this this next trip, you're going to be playing up in State College and uh, and then over there in Maryland, mm-hmm. three games in four days. I, I don't know that you could go back through an NBA schedule and find an NBA team that plays seven games in twelve days. You won't. That that was kind of Hoyberg's reference earlier. Like, yeah, you know, this is going to be kind of like an NBA schedule, and which he's familiar with. But no, no NBA coach is familiar with what is what Nebraska basketball is being put through. It, it, Giving up a home game as well. Yeah, to that's play a big two one. There's not there's not fans in the stands, obviously, but still, you have the familiarity, you have the proximity. Those go away, you can see from last night things are different when you play at home, certainly, certainly, <laughs> and, and regardless of the opponent too I just this is this is shaping up to be and Nebraska basketball doesn 't get near the attention that Nebraska football does, right, but this is shaping up to be a similar type situation where you have the the coach and, and probably the players and maybe even the athletic director uh, feeling a certain type of way about the way that they are having their schedule handled by the Big Ten Conference and maybe not liking it so much mm-hmm. for very different reasons than the reason the football program was upset about the scheduling, right? Uh, which was no games compared to all of the games, all mm-hmm. at once. But you're going to have the same type of juxtaposition comparing the way Nebraska is being treated and the way they're reacting to it. Uh, and then the big dog on the block kind of being put in the similar type situation. Ohio State football, they wanted to play just like Nebraska did. Now you're going to have Michigan basketball getting back to play this weekend after a similar length of pause. Uh, The the variant of the COVID virus was found on Michigan's campus, and so they shut the whole thing down, the whole athletic department. There weren't positive tests necessarily within men's basketball, but uh, they're going to now... Face a similar situation that Nebraska is if the conference is going to try to make them get all of their games in. And Juwan Howard's already talked about this. One of their players already talked about this. They came out a lot stronger than Hoiberg did even last night Mm -hmm. against playing all these. Basically, yeah, we're not robots. Uh, We're not going to be able to get our legs back that quick. We're not going to be able to perform at the level that you might expect from the number three team in the country as it stands mm-hmm. now at 13 and 1, that's going to be a, a very revealing watch. Is to see, number one, what the Big Ten does if they're going to do the same thing to Michigan that they're doing to Nebraska. And number two, how Michigan, their head coach, their players, maybe even their athletic department reacts to what the Big Ten does.
1: I think we're seeing the difference, and we definitely saw it in football, the way the Big Ten treats programs if they're nationally prominent from a success standpoint. Mm. um, Because Nebraska's nationally prominent, just hasn't been successful. Everyone knows Nebraska. Right. Um, But the way the teams are treated, and it's becoming how the Big Ten treats these teams based on their recent success. For football, you you saw Ohio State get more things that they wanted. Mm Mm-hmm because of who they are and what their expectations for the season were. You saw Nebraska maybe not treated as well because expectations are not there. The the team has not been good for a few years. Um, Now with the basketball side of it, Huskers go on a COVID pause. They come back, and the Big Ten is going to try to fit in every possible game. From a player standpoint, of course, you want to play the games, at some point, though, you're just like, man, we're kind of beat up. Lat man even said, he's like, man, this, this is tough. Derek Walker said this is tough. Yeah. Um, Derek Walker took one of the best bigs in the country <laughs> and bodied him. Dude, for Derek more Walker. For 40-plus minutes. And for most of the first half, Derek Walker was the best big on the floor last night. You think he might have made a difference
2: first half of this season? Oh, my goodness. Maybe the- a couple more wins, maybe at least get... To the
1: point where they're they're gelling more and some of the games that he has um, played in are wins. But to finish the point, Michigan has certain expectations. Now, is it okay if you run, from a conference standpoint, is it okay to just run down a team like Nebraska and say, I hope you guys just don't get injured, but we need the TV revenue. Get you guys on TV. Oh, hey, look, you're going to push the number 6 team in the country to overtime? That got a bunch of eyes on us. Let's see what else you guys can do and just run out game after game after game. For Michigan, are you going to want to run down Jawan Howard's team? A potential Final Four National Championship contending team? No, you're going to want to ease them in and just play the two to three games over a week. You're going to be fine with their games not being made up. That's what the Big Ten's going to do. As much as you'd want that television money from from a top five team playing on Big Ten Network, playing on Fox Sports... The conference is going to treat their teams with certain expectations at a point where you don't want to hurt them. And I'm fully prepared to see when Michigan comes back, their games are not made up, and they are treated very differently than Nebraska because the programs are in different places. Which It's, it's unfortunate, yeah. but that's where it is, and the Big Ten has shown that they care about student, athlete, welfare, and safety to a point as long as you're successful. They care about your academics to a point where your teams are successful. The Big Ten has done this thing, and I I can't remember who said it clear back in the fall, but the conference is trying to be the Ivy League on one side and the SEC on the other. And we are seeing that the conference does not care for the academic side of your money making sports, they very much do not care about your team if they are not good and they can roll you out and get that TV money and it's not it here's the thing there's a lot of uh, a lot of words thrown around at Kevin Warren online are
3: these, there? These,
1: these, <laughs> these 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 are not Kevin Warren unilateral decisions. They're not. This is the Council of Presidents and Chancellors who vote on a lot of this. This is the athletic directors who vote on a lot of this. So for all the fire Kevin Warren stuff, you can get rid of Warren. But guess what? That doesn't fix the problem. This Big Ten has in its DNA issues. Folks knew it a decade ago. You're stuck with this, Nebraska. There's not a changing conference. This is where you're at. But the way different programs are treated, if you are not on top of the mountain is awful. It's disgraceful what the Big 10 is doing to Nebraska going forward. Of course, if you're the players you want to play, you almost got a great win last night. This is disgraceful from the Big 10. You're you're getting Nebraska all these games in and it's
2: essentially going to buy your your other teams that make the tournament maybe one higher seed line because you got another win or two against you know somebody. You you got another win in the win column. Like the 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 way that the big 10 will try and spin this is you know we we have these we have these student athletes who want to play and so we're going to help accommodate that or we have these agreements in place already with our tv partners and our great fans of this conference want to see more games and you can spin it however you want the way that you have the football argument where they shut the season down for 5 weeks and they said it was about player safety. What's this about now? Mhm. Well, yeah, you have the pause, but is I I don't I don't feel like that matches up with the player safety aspect of it to to just run these guys down the way that they're doing. Uh and and, and to kind of transition to the way that the, the team played on the floor. I, I think some people are going to point to, hey, it's obviously not costing Nebraska their 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 uh, their chances to win because just look at last night. It's it's evidence <laughs> right there. They almost beat the number six team in the country. Uh, that's fine. They might have put all their energy into that. Uh, the next three games Nebraska has are against fellow bottom four teams in the league right now, mm-hmm. in Penn State, and then two against Maryland. Uh, all three on the road. That trip to Penn State is the worst trip in the conference because you're basically <laughs> going to the middle of nowhere yep. uh, by train and plane and automobile. The way that Nebraska bounces back is going to be what I'm paying attention to because I could uh, I could very easily see the Huskers just being completely beat down by the end of this three game stretch because you're going to play three games in four days, wrapping up seven and twelve
1: days. It's not going to stop either. Because you still have, like, seven more games to go. And because of Big Ten rules for health and safety, they haven't been able to practice every day or even meet to watch film. They couldn't do anything one of the days last week. They had to take a day completely off and do a walkthrough going into the Wisconsin game in the morning. They had it required by the Big Ten because of health and safety. Because that is such a big deal to the Big Ten when the Big Ten chooses it to be the same conference that gave them only one day between every game
2: within between the last four games and, and into this fifth game, also mandated that you can't do liter- you can do literally nothing with your program on one of those days that you have off. Um, and, and back and, and to to hit on the floor stuff, look the overtime the way that played out that sucked. Um, but the contributions you got Thor in the first half nailing two threes, uh, Lat Man. Leading the team in scoring each of the last three games, matched a career high earlier this week. Set his career high last night with mm-hmm. 16 points. You've got Trey McGowan's driving in, throwing his shoulder into Kofi. Oh my! And getting zero the, fear. Getting the, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Teddy Allen mixing it up, doing what he does. Uh, he
1: he wasn't his his greatest scoring threat, but still got the buckets. emergence of Eduardo Andre. Although yes. he although he is pencil thin. He has got length, and he bothered some people in there. I, yeah. you, you want to see Udrogo be able to do something outside of the restricted area, yeah. but guess what? On defense, he was able to, to push some guys around a little bit. You saw from those three bigs, Walker Udrogo and Andre, and Coach Hoiberg talked about it after the game, but they were impressive what they were able to do. Kofi Coburn, of course, is going to get his yes. at some point. He ends up with a double-double but what they were able to do over the course of the game between those three guys and limit him to the most point most part Co- cobird was run down at the end of that game yeah they, he missed a lot of free throws down the stretch yeah which he's
2: not the best free throw shooter in the first place but he but made like the first three out of four and you're like oh crap right the way the way that he was being defended and the way that nebraska was switching everything and keeping double teams coming from all different directions that got
1: to him that clearly got to him There are a lot of glimpses of success going forward, and I want us to dive into those. Yes, because it's not obviously last night's disappointing, and and we spent a lot of time not talking about the 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 parts that were successful. We're going to find a silver lining in this, but there's a lot last night, and what we've seen since Derek Walker started playing with this team Mm -hmm. that shows what the Hoiberg system should be going towards, and we saw a lot of it last night. And you mentioned
2: Hoiberg, the way that he coached against a team that's number six in the country um coach the pants off of Brad Underwood. I mean Brad Underwood realized at the end like oh holy crap we might lose this game. I uh-huh. better not let anybody but IO touch the ball. Right. <laughs> and that worked because IO was an all-American. Yes. But it almost didn't. It was basically one one solidly executed uh play at the end from perhaps not working. Uh, And that's unfortunate, but Huskers go down in overtime to the number six team in the country. Uh, Volleyball, they played yesterday. They swept Rutgers. They'll be doing that again today, playing, maybe sweeping, probably sweeping. Uh, Kelly Hunter will join us later on the program. Uh, She's been a grad assistant with the team. She's not anymore. She's going down to Texas to play uh, in a little volleyball league. We'll talk to her about that. Uh, and then uh, Robin Washett will join us right after this uh, in our next segment to talk more about this Huskerman's basketball program uh, and what's going on with them. A lot coming up here. Stick with us here on the KLIN Husker Hour.
0: Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN
2: KLIN Husker Hour, rolling along here on your Saturday morning. Late night last night, it was uh, eight o'clock tip, and the Huskers just come short against number six Illinois. It's uh, a hard fought game.
1: And I was actually I got out of there about midnight. I was one of the first ones to leave. Yeah. You know who wasn't who hadn't left yet? And he arrived at the same time as me. And he had to call Seamus to get in anyway. Yeah. Just looking like a guy at the bouncer who's like, hey. Get me in here. I know the I know the owner. Robin Washington of <laughs> Husker Online. How's it going, Robin? I know you said yesterday, you were like, man, sometimes it's kind of hard to talk about this team, but they gave us something different last night.
4: They did. They did. So, you know, that was one of the things, So like, I was actually not the last one to leave. Chris Bassett was the last one to leave. I think they actually turned the lights out on <laughs> uh, us. Everybody had to leave. But uh, we were saying, like, you know, at least, you know, if we're going to cover a team that's Lost 25 straight conference or 26 straight conference games. You know, at least they, had, that game was at least entertaining. You know, I mean, like it was it's not like they completely folded and in the situation that they're currently in, <laughs> that's, that could be very easy to do. But I mean, they, despite all their circumstances, played their best game of the season and obviously it still wasn't good enough and the, the late game execution was uh, less than ideal. But, you know, they, for, 39 minutes and 40 seconds, they played well enough to beat the number six team in the country and probably should have if, you know, they're able to finish the thing uh, the way they were supposed to. But, you know, it's a season where it's it's a grind for everyone, for coaches, players, fans alike. But, uh, you know, the the one silver lining is that they haven't quit yet. And if that keeps up, they're going to have a few more chances like they did last night.
2: Robin, the, the way that Hoyberg kind of had this game plan drawn up obviously it worked pretty well based on the result you were right there at the end with a number 6 team in the country uh but but knowing that you were going against guys like Io and DeSau- and and uh Kofi what does it tell you and what is it what should it tell Husker fans about just how good a coach Hoyberg is and and the way that he can get these uh obviously mismatches on paper uh flipped to where he can still make a run at these team, these teams
4: yeah, I mean, really, like, for the first half, um, you know, Iowa didn't really do much, and then, you know, Kofi was kept in relative check, but, you know, as as well as Nebraska was schemed for that game, eventually the the Stars just took over. I mean, it was the reason Illinois won was because they have two of the best players in college basketball on their team, and they played like it. And that's just kind of a situation where, you know, Nebraska, they don't have that star power yet. I mean, they have guys that, that can go off and you know play at a really high level but you know they, they just don't have those consistent go-to players that you know when when things aren't working and uh you know that the other the opponent has a, a plan that's perfectly in place to uh, throw you off that you just give a guy to of the ball and they go make a play that's what they did with Ohio down the stretch where you know he's scoring 23-24 of his 31 points in the second half and literally took the game over and then you know kofi was uh, an unstoppable force there in the second half where not only was he you know, basically dunking every other possession but you know he was getting the benefit of, of a lot of calls to where he was completely controlling the pain on the defensive end and uh you know i mean that's that's hard for nebraska and really, i mean anyone but especially nebraska to compete with when nba level players are playing that well um you know nebraska had the best scheme possible, especially defensively, to win that game, and it almost worked. But in the end, Illinois has better players, and those better players won the game.
1: Robin, we're talking about Kofi, who's one of the largest humans I've ever seen in real life. Like not on a screen seen yeah. in person. No um question. He, he makes he makes, there was a one of the starters for Illinois is six foot two. That's that's about my height. Made him look like Muggsy Bogues during pregame, he's a large guy um, but what does this say for the Nebraska team going forward and we've seen the emergence of Derek Walker over the last few games his ability to battle with Kofi hit a couple shots over him um, Eduardo Andre come in, although he's he's paper thin he's got length and gave some issues inside and, and Udrogo was just kind of out there burning some minutes and, and fouling as well What what is this bigs the big, uh, not big three, but the, these three bigs for Nebraska and what they were able to do within the scheme last night, but uh, that's definitely positive going forward for Coach Hoiberg and, and and its team in a league where you have to have uh, competent big men, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, you do. But, you know, I think they showed that, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where like in a situation like that, not many people in the country have a Kofi Coburn. And I mean, <laughs> he's a, he's a freak of nature in so many different ways. And for, you know, the first half Nebraska kept him in check. I mean, he was only, he wasn't hardly getting any shots up to start the game. They were swarming him defensively and, you know, they basically kind of executed what they had to do to perfection. And that's you know, a similar game plan we've seen before. Um, It's the exact same thing they did against Iowa when they actually won a Big Ten game last last season where they swarmed Luca Garza and tried to make other people beat him. And so I think that they have a pretty good game plan for those, you know, monstrous centers of the conference. But, you know, in the end, when that's being paired with a guy like Io that's making every every shot down the stretch, you know, you got to kind of pick your poison a little bit there. And eventually, you know, the, the fouls started to wear down and then, uh, you know, obviously with the way that that game was officiated, I'm not trying to say the refs won the game or anything, but they were letting Coke Coburn play and be physical. And when you let a seven foot one, 285 pound guy with those skill sets do what he wants, he's going to take the game over. <laughs> and, uh, that's just kind of what happened. He, they, he wore him down, down the stretch to where, you know, fouls be- became an issue and, um, you know, really, uh, you know, Derek for, for, being that much smaller than him, even though there was, a, there was I took a picture of him he's six eight two thirty two and you want to talk about the the six two guard look like <laughs> he looked like a shooting guard next to that guy, but i mean they they did a good job, I thought i mean for the most part, i mean yes Kofi had a a big stat line with you know twenty and ten, but uh you know for the most part, he wasn't the reason solely Illinois won the game, and in that situation, he very well could have been. I mean, that that could have been 30 and 20, realistically. So uh, the Nebraska's always going to be at a disadvantage, and I just don't know if they're ever going to get a guy like that or get the big lumbering center that can go one-on-one with a player like that because, you know, they prioritize offense so much, and they want guys that can run the floor. And I guess the good news is with Eduardo, you know, he's he's got the height and the length, and in time he's going to add more weight to that frame. And so if you can get him... You know, around two forty, two fifty. That's a pretty good size center, six eleven, two forty, two fifty. And I think that he's got a lot of room to grow. So long term, I really like Eduardo Andre as a as a developmental project. And yeah. what's funny is since they did this, um, you know, return over the last whatever three games uh, back from their COVID break, there's over the last two games, there's one player on the roster that has a a positive plus minus. And that's Eduardo Andre. And so, I mean, he's playing at a really, I mean, like a really high level. But he's playing at a high level, and it's starting to come into his own a little bit. That um, if you want to try to find silver linings uh, about this season, for as bad as it's been, I think he ranks right there at the top. That you know, Nebraska has something with him that uh, he's only going to get better going forward.
2: Robin Washit from Husker Online joining us here on the K Line Husker Hour. Uh, offensively, Fred Hoiberg has got a few more options to go to now. You, you've got lot Mayen coming into his own double figures three games in a row, leading the team in scoring three games in a row. New career high last night was 16. Uh, obviously, Teddy Allen and Trey McGowan's can still uh, get theirs. Delano Banton's still averaging over double digits, though he hasn't lately. Uh, offensively, there's there's a lot of places to go. Do you think Hoiberg's bunch is, is kind of coming into their own on that side of the floor, and, and if if so, how much can that kind of lend itself to uh, potentially winning a couple of games down the stretch here?
4: Well, I think the biggest difference last night you saw was, you know, Hoyberg was micromanaging the offense more than he has, or he has all season. I mean, there are plays where off of defensive rebounds, he was telling guys to slow up and get into a set and run a half-court offense where he – I know that, that just, like, Eats at him because he hates that. Like he wants, especially like that's his prime. Outside of like a, a turnover, the best time he wants to run in transition is off a defensive rebound. So I mean, I think you know, he mentioned that after the Wisconsin game that you know just the the poor decision making and sloppy ball handling and the amount of turnovers uh they were committing a lot in transition. You know he he had to kind of step in and and slow this team down a little bit uh until they start making good decisions and. Take, or take better care of the basketball. And so I think there was a direct, uh, effect on that where suddenly, uh, now that, you know, Fred's really, you know, coaching every possession, uh, they started running some, some crisp sets offensively and were making some nice plays, getting good looks. And, uh, to you know, the, the next step to that is guys executing and actually putting the ball through the basket. And Nebraska started to make some shots. I mean, they were shooting the ball really well in the first half. And it is zero coincidence that they played as well as they did. And so I would expect to see that going forward, you know, especially with them just trying to manage the, the wear and tear, uh, to, to slow things down a little bit, control the pace a little bit. Uh, I think it is smart in a lot of different reasons. And hopefully that kind of takes the offense to a higher level than what it has been. Cause it was really bad for a long time this season. And at least, Last night was a sign of tangible progress, especially against uh, you know a team like Illinois that you know they they run a pressure defense that uh, you know can can fluster teams, and I thought Nebraska handled it really well.
1: Robin, let, let let's get out of here on the Big Ten as a whole and the way they're handling teams that have gone on COVID pause. Hoiberg sounded a little frustrated in post game. Uh, four games over the last seven days, they'll get uh, three more by this next Wednesday, all three of those on the road. Uh, seven games, 12 days, five states. Jawan Howard for Michigan, obviously in a very different position, um, but they've been vocal that they don't want to be just rolled out like robots. What what What's your opinion on, on the Big Ten handling teams that have had games postponed and trying to make them up, and possibly, just like in football, handling teams differently, treating them differently, depending on if they're at the top or the bottom of the conference?
4: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. That's going to be the thing. If they make Michigan go through this kind of grind, then, you know, it it is what it is, and at least the Big Ten's being consistent for the first time in forever, but, I mean, I don't know. I have my doubts. I think when it comes down to it, you know, I'll be really curious to see if Michigan starts making a stink about it, does the Big Ten make them play? I don't know. You know, I mean, Nebraska can argue, but nobody's going to listen to them, and they'll tell them to get out of the conference if they they try to you know, su- suggest that they do something otherwise, and, you know, I I get that, like, Penn State is still technically somehow trying to play its way onto the bubble, but, like, what is the reason why Nebraska-Penn State is being played tomorrow? Like, I, it doesn't make any sense. Like, that was one game that, when they returned from break, I knew had been discussed as being, you know, potentially canceled, just because, you know, Penn State's trying to move some games around. Uh, you know, they missed four games earlier this year to a, to a pause, and so, you know, just, to try to make up all these games, it seems, you know, logistically um you know feasible that they could just cut that out. Uh but now they're gonna go forward and play it and, you know, like you said, <laughs> not only is Nebraska playing seven games, in twelve days in five states, you know, they're playing games where they're not coming home between games and they're flying halfway across the country less than forty eight hours after playing a game at eight o'clock at night. You know, I mean it, and playing an afternoon tip the next, you know, two days later. So it's, I mean, I don't know how they can justify doing any of this in the name of player safety. That, that, the that whole concept and reasoning is such a farce. Um, you know, when you're to try to act like, you know, we're looking out for the student athletes because of COVID, but you're putting them through unprecedented rigors of not even being able to practice, basically just playing an AAU schedule, uh, where you're traveling across the country, uh, you know, and, and, I mean, this is going to like wear some guys down, not only just like physically and having to just play that many games in a short, short amount of time, but mentally, I mean, you're taking these guys away from any sort of structure or routine that they normally would have had within the course of a season. Uh, I mean, they're not even, I, I get it, they're doing online classes, but like, you know, trying to fit schoolwork into that time. I mean, that seems like that's not even a priority at all. And so, I mean, it's it's such a hypocritical thing that they're making these games, insisting that these games get played when in mean, Nebraska, Penn State in the end is going to be like one of the most inconsequential games left on the schedule, and yet they're forcing Nebraska to you know get on a plane. I mean, they left this morning, and so like they they probably left the arena late last night and got a couple hours of sleep, and then got Genius. packed and did their COVID testing, and then he got on a plane and flew to State College, Pennsylvania. And I don't know. I've, I've clearly got my, my thoughts on it. I know Fred's really frustrated with the situation, uh, as, he, as he should be, because this is really, um, I don't know. I just don't think it's fair to the players. It's it's, it's not to, to insist that they go through this just to make the conference money and to get some more teams in the NCAA tournament. Uh just shows how much they actually care about the well-being of the student-athletes.
2: Yeah. yeah, well, uh, that's a great insight, uh, as always. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, Robin. Robin Wash at Husker Online, uh, covers Husker basketball over there and uh, does a great job with it, and we'll be watching all of us uh, here together three more games in four days with this uh, East Coast swing, Robin. Thanks a lot for the time.
4: Yeah, buckle up, guys. See you
2: later. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, It's. I, I don't know what will happen with Michigan, but look, they, it's smart for the conference. It's in the conference's interest to to be a little bit lenient on Michigan. Right. But it's also in the conference's interest to be lenient on other schools. Like you shouldn't do this to Michigan, but you shouldn't have done it to Nebraska.
1: Right. <sighs> just killing me with this stuff. It's just ridiculous. All all you've done over the last week is uh added a data point. You you've given uh you gave AO um a 31 another point,
2: All-American showcase. Yeah,
1: a 31-point yeah. game, and all the national guys were fawning over his effort. I'm like, guys, the team he did that against, although we're very proud of the effort we saw, the team that he did that against is not good in a grand scheme. And they're playing their fourth game in seven days. Yes. But, knowing that they've got three more. like. But it gave him an All-American data point. It gave Kofi another double-double. Maybe they'll move up a seed line. Yeah. Oh, good. Three three number ones for the Big Ten because you guys kept beating up Nebraska every other day. <sighs> Stupid. More to come. Uh, we've got Kelly Hunter coming up as
2: well. Uh, so Grandma, stick around. Right back after this here on the K and Husker Hour
0: giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio. 1400
1: KLIN. Big thank you to Robin Washett of Husker Online. Sometimes it's kind of hard to talk about uh, a team that's lost 26 consecutive in the league but found a new way last night um, and, and showed glimpses of, of where this team can go. A, a team that completely on the other end of the spectrum it, uh, in Nebraska Athletics is Husker Volleyball, who got a sweep last night, looked a little bit interesting in the in the second set, but stormed back. Um, and now without a volunteer assistant, because former Husker All-American and national champion Kelly Hunter is actually down in Texas now. Flew out yesterday, and Kelly joins us here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Kelly, uh, Caleb, and Cole Back here in Lincoln, is the weather any better down south?
3: <laughs> I thought it was going to be, but um, I'm sure you guys saw on the news a couple days ago. It was pretty icy, and they <laughs> had some car crashes, but apparently the the weather is following me because there's supposed to be three to six inches of snow down here before Monday. Oh,
1: man. So so tell tell our listeners and tell the, the area back here about this opportunity, because it seems like I just talked to you a couple weeks ago previewing the season and we'll talk a little bit about the huskers but but what you're doing because you're, you're playing career you're not all the way into the coaching you're, you're going to have a playing career still coming up here what 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 is this this interesting endeavor here with athletes unlimited
3: so i first heard about this league probably last summer now and it's a really interesting format it's like a six-week professional league and it's one of the first things in the u.s and i'm sure a lot of volleyball fans know that if you want to play professional volleyball you have to go overseas so this is really interesting the format's really cool Um, the teams change every week so it's the same pool of girls but then for five weeks you're playing with different people every single week so it's a really cool format and it's a chance for professional volleyball players to get to play in the U.S. which is really really exciting.
2: And and Jordan Larson another Husker volleyball great who's played in you know USA Volleyball, one of the top players in the world. She's going to be a part of this, so that kind of tells you that the level of competition is going to be pretty high up there, right?
3: Yeah, and she's kind of on – there's like a board of players that they have, and so she's kind of on that, and so she's been running a lot of this for a while. But, yeah, she's one of many Olympians that are going to be in the league.
1: So – I've got to ask because you've been, you, you, were, you were a grad assistant, and you were a volunteer assistant, had the wild 2020 as we talked about where um, you were on staff and then COVID hit and um, you've been a volunteer assistant going through this season. How much training have you been able to get in? Like, like what do practices look like? Are you able to, to, to train um, with the Huskers? Have you been having to do stuff on your own? What has what, what your um, schedule been like leading up to now getting down to Dallas?
3: Yeah. So just being a volunteer, I can play with the girls and I'm not necessarily needed the same way like one of our grad managers who can initiate balls is. So it's been kind of interesting, but in the fall, we were doing kind of small group sessions and depending on class schedules and stuff, our setters wouldn't always be together. So I would rotate with either of them, Ani or Nicklin. And um, so that was a little bit of setting, but that was last fall and now it's February. So at practice, I I do some setting for drills, like for the middle blockers to kind of read and block and work on some out-of-system stuff. And then um, sometimes I'll hop into six-on-six six when we need kind of a taller setter for the front row because Ani Evans is a little bit shorter and she's not super active <laughs> at the net. And so I would get thrown into the fire here and there. But honestly, it's not a ton, but it's not nothing. So that's good.
2: The the way this this... Kind of league will be formatted is the teams are going to kind of rotate around. You've been playing with uh, different players over the course of this time. How much time do you feel like uh, you need to get into a rhythm with with other players and to kind of feel uh, to get a feel for for how to how to move to this way or that side and uh, how how different girls want to get set. Like how much time does it take to get into that and and how much uh, how much fun and and, and difficult really will that be?
3: Yeah, I think. I think it'll be interesting because even right now, the training, there's two groups. So it's like you could be with half of the girls for a couple training sessions and then switch. So I think it'll be interesting. And um, I haven't been to any trainings yet because I'm quarantined right now in the hotel room. But I think it'll be nice if there's kind of like a uniform system, like a certain speed that the setters have to run and if everyone is hitting pretty similar sets. So I think. Knowing that would be good, when I'm sure it'll be like that, just given the variability of the teams and um, how often we're switching. But I think for a setter and a hitter, the most important thing is kind of like building relationships and being able to talk about like what type of set they want and stuff like that. So I think for me, it's just once I can finally get to know everyone and meet everyone, just building relationships, and then it'll happen a lot quicker and easier on the court.
1: This sounds... To me, from an outsider as as someone who like my mom was a volleyball coach in high school and my sister played junior college volleyball i 'm not high up there in my knowledge of where volleyball is, but to me, this sounds like a mix of like a national team training camp and a sub being called to come to the the, the beer league sand volleyball as you just kind of throw some people in. is it somewhere between
3: there yeah, I think the like the age and the experience and the variability there of all the athletes is a little bit big like some girls are fresh out of college some girls that have played like double digit seasons overseas so um i'm i think it'll be interesting but i think it's all still very high level and i know several athletes are kind of coming out of retirement for this just because it is a short season and it's in the US so um it's pretty marketable and so I think, I think given the format and the training and training twice a day and all that stuff, it'll it'll still be a high level, but it'll be interesting with the the variability of experience.
1: Well, we, I, I can tell you right now, Cole, Cole, and Kenny and I all in the studio, we're we're excited to look look forward to watch this. I know anytime there's uh, there's Huskers on the uh, the national team playing in the Olympics, we always try to talk with a. Uh, with Coach Karai and uh, figure out what's going on with the former Huskers there. So excited to see you and Jordan in this new league. Now, uh, if we could, Kelly, you you were a volunteer assistant for um, the first part of this season with Nebraska volleyball. They've played five matches, have dropped one set so far. Uh, what what's just been your your overall view? Uh, of how this team is playing. I know from a setting standpoint, looks like Nicklin's changed some things up a little bit. Lauren had an 850 hitting percentage um, a week ago, and Lexi continues to play on an All-American level. What, what have things looked like from your viewpoint where you get to see some things that the rest of us typically don't between practices and matches?
3: Yeah, I think Nicklin has made a lot of progress and has changed a lot of different things technique-wise, and that's pretty hard being two or three years into your college career. So I'm really, really proud of her and seeing the progress that she's made and all these big changes that she's made. And that's really cool that a lot of people have actually said, like, oh, like, is Nicklin doing different techniques that people are (laughs) are noticing, which is cool. But I think we were in such a big training block all fall, and we were almost, like, breaking down our game to completely build it back up. And so I think the Huskers are still trying to figure out how to – fully implement those changes into a game situation when the pressure's on and it's not as okay to make mistakes and I think there's a little bit of growing pains going on with that when you start anything new and change anything new and it was our we haven't played matches until or for about 13 months so to get back into playing matches and it's a completely different format with COVID and no fans and everything I think there's just some little bumps in the road but Um, they're starting to figure it out. Like you said, Lauren hitting 850, Lexi's been dominant. So all good things and just, like I said, a little bit of growing pains here and there.
2: Two-time national champion and two-time All-American setter Kelly Hunter joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, You've played and now coached under uh, Coach John Cook uh, with Nebraska here. Which role of yours, uh, whether it be as a player or as an assistant, uh, gave you more perspective uh, on, on the job that he does with this program, maybe which position or which perspective gives you a little bit more appreciation uh, for what Coach Cook does with this team and this program?
3: I would say when I was the um, interim assistant, that's when I kind of really figured out, like, okay, coaches do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> See, it sounds a little naive to say that because like, oh, coaches are watching film, but when you're a player, you're like, okay, I have to go to workouts, I have to go to study hall. I have to watch my own film. I have to watch film of the other team, and then you think of all that, and then the coaches, like multiply that by ten. They're way more busier than any of the players, and so um, I think when I switched over from grad assistant to interim assistant, that's when I was kind of like, all right, there's there's lots of stuff to do as a coach, and I was really appreciative of everything that coach did and all of the assistants and Lindsey Peterson, our director of ops, you just, you really see what all truly goes behind it or behind the scenes.
2: Well, and knowing that there is a lot of work as a coach, is that where you see your future? Do you want to be uh, a volleyball coach long-term after your playing career is officially done?
3: Yeah. It's interesting now that I'm playing again, I never <laughs> thought that that would be the case, but <laughs> I've really, really enjoyed coaching so far and, um specifically at Nebraska I love the girls and a couple of them I played with and just knowing the staff super well but it for me it's kind of just like the moments that you have with all the athletes and with the staff and um how you can make an impact there and I feel like that's where my kind of competitive advantage has been was just being able to relate to the girls since I am so young and so close to playing collegiately and it's been a lot of fun just being with Nebraska and um I've really liked
1: pitching so far. Last minute here with uh, former Husker All-American national champion Kelly Hunter, whose uh, playing career is continuing down in Texas, and we'll all see what's going on uh, with that new Athletes Unlimited League. Um, but, Kelly, I've got to ask, and I don't know how interested all of our listeners are maybe in some of this minutiae, uh, but Coach Cook talked about how they changed um, the coach setup between the first match and then the second match. Uh, can, can you explain that? for for me slash us how the the first weekend it was tyler hildebrand up and then who was all sitting next to to coach cook on the bench but then jalen reyes is up now and hildebrand's back on the bench and just kind of what what does all of that mean on who's up and who's coaching different different aspects of play
3: yeah so in everyone's job description they have certain positions that they work with and so Jalen being a libero in college and Tyler being a setter in college, they kind of know those positions a little bit better. They've obviously coached other positions. And so when Tyler was the assistant my senior year, he coached the setters in the middles. And so, which are kind of opposite parts of the game, offense and defense a little bit with blocking at least. And so um, I think there was just a little bit of disconnect because Tyler has been training the setters a lot. And like we talked about Nicklin, like he's been working with her a lot and Ani as well. So for him to kind of go into a match and try and coach all of the defense and then kind of chime in on the offense, was there, there was just a little bit disconnected there. So we kind of just found a way that it would make more sense. So Jalen would work with our liberos and defense there. And then we were like, OK, well, why wouldn't he work with our blocking and defense, too? So. There was just kind of a little disconnect going along with who was training who at practice and then how we got into a match. And so we kind of just switched that up. And so that's why Jalen is standing now so he can talk to the middle blockers up at the net and let them know what our, our blocking schemes are.
1: That's incredibly interesting. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, very, very uh, interesting. I just, just like Kelly said, oh, coaches do a lot. I, I mean, I never knew the reason that different people were standing or sitting right. and, and how all of it works.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's,
1: that's good <laughs> stuff. Uh, well,
2: uh, Kelly Hunter, uh, two-time national champion, two-time All-American, playing again down there in Dallas with the Athletes Unlimited League. Uh, I know we all know the Husker fans will be watching and, and pulling for you to have a, a great time down there. Uh, we wish you the best of luck and, uh, we'll be watching. Thanks a lot for the time, Kelly.
3: All right. Thank you. Thanks again for having me.
2: All right. Kelly Hunter. Um, that, that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch for sure. I'm, uh, Very interested to see how that all plays out uh, as they get that going uh, here pretty soon. February 19th, I believe, is when they start uh, training, and then uh, you'll have games shortly after that. Uh, We'll continue on. More to uh, break down uh, from uh, volleyball, basketball. Still no schedule for baseball. Can't tell you anything about that. Uh, And a couple of new hires for the football program as well. Uh, Plenty more to get to. Stick with us here on the KLI and Husker Hour.
0: Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, fourteen hundred KLIN.
2: Thanks a lot to Kelly Hunter uh, for joining us. Uh, former Husker assistant, as recently as what this week, yeah, and
1: now going down to, to athletes <laughs> unlimited to play in this league. That uh, was that's exciting, yeah. Um, as anyone who whether, whether it's whether it's high school or college. At 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 some point, at some point, your uh your your career is done. Yep. Your your playing career is done. And I th- I think about Moneyball when, when they're when they're recruiting him and they say whether you're eighteen or you're thirty five, at some point it all ends. We're 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 done playing the kids' game. Yep. And these the, these are all kids' games. Yep. But for Kelly, stayed in shape, uh, stayed with the game, and gets a chance to go play professionally with a former Husker, yep. uh, Olympian. Jordan Larson and a number of other people who like she said coming out of retirement this is an exciting league I think this is good for American sports um, we've seen it with the with I can't remember if it's the United States track league or what exactly they call it but you are seeing that because if you want to be a professional in track you typically have to go to Europe yep. um, you used to typically for women's basketball have to go to Europe right. and, and you've got the WNBA kinda of flourishing here yep. and now for volleyball you still have to go to Europe but you're starting to see some of these leagues come back here, and that that's great to see, especially for uh for some local folks
2: oh, I mean Nebraska is kind of the the center of the American volleyball universe yes, and it makes sense that you would have a a ton of Nebraska players. As a part of this, and and Kelly Hunter being able to to get those matches in Lincoln. Yeah. Get them up here in future games. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So if you missed that, if you missed our talk with Robin Washington earlier about the Husker basketball team uh, and their close loss last night to number six Illinois, uh, you can always catch up on the show uh, on the podcast page at KLIN.com, at the Facebook and Twitter pages at KLIN Huskers. Of course, we got the Facebook live going uh, at all times. Uh, We didn't hit on this yet. Nebraska football made a couple of non coaching staff hires. Uh, You have a new director of player personnel, or I guess director of player development is the official title that I see on the release. That's Marcus Castro Walker. He was part of Frost staff at UCF. He's been at Arizona State coaching under Herm Edwards. Not coaching, but being that personnel guy under Herm Edwards, who Mm -hmm. is a former NFL guy, definitely runs his program uh, like a professional team. Uh, And so Castro Walker has a lot of experience in that regard. Uh, And then an offensive and defensive analyst, offensive analyst Keenan Lowe who played at Oregon under Frost. He was a wide receiver. Um, he was one of the guys that I remember playing with on the NCAA football team because yeah. he was part of that
1: last class. that was Played under Lubick, too. Yep, Matt Lubick was there, too. That, that's so interesting that his first two years were Frost, his last two years were Lubick.
2: And he's also, if you recall that story about the the high school coach right. who averted a school shooting. Yes, yes. He's that guy. That's Keenan Lowe. Um, so he's an offensive analyst. And defensive analyst that you might recognize the name, that's Bill Bush. Coming back for another tour of duty at Nebraska, he's a native Nebraskan originally.
1: What, what year is it? Bill Bush is on the staff, right? So he was with the
2: Callahan regime yep. in the middle in the mid two thousands, uh, and he's bounced around a lot of different places. Most recently, uh, was at LSU, uh, and he was part of the the contingent that helped get Joe Burrow to transfer from Ohio State down to Baton Rouge. That worked out pretty well. It I thought did okay for everyone involved. So. Look, the way they still haven't hired a special teams assistant, you're not sure how that's going to kind of sort itself out. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the way that Frost kind of has guys that he's sort of tangentially related to, he's got experience with mm-hmm. bringing them in to handle off field stuff. Uh, it, it 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 it's it's different, but it kind of matches up with the conversation that he had off after the season about how the last half of the year he kind of shared the play calling duties with Matt yeah. Lubick. Anything that allows Frost to work more closely with the players, with the offense, with the scheme, mm-hmm. with the on-field calls, with working on details, with working specifically and directly with quarterbacks, I think any of that stuff is, number one, it shows a little bit of growth because he's 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 delegating, right? He's, yeah. he's giving more responsibilities to others, but he's also taking charge of the things that he can control, and he's not... He's not getting bogged down with other stuff. He's giving that to other people. I think this is good, uh, and and the fact that you have these guys all have gone around a lot of different places, they're going to be able to bring a few different ideas. That's not a bad thing for a program that's <laughs> really struggled to get winning seasons either.
1: What I see from these hires is is culture, and we saw yeah. Brent. We saw Brendan Hymas say that uh, told the Spun this week that maybe Nebraska really didn't turn any kind of corner culturally, uh, but what I see from these guys is guys that Frost has worked with at successful programs, and then obviously Bush has been here at Nebraska. Um, So these are guys that are going to know the culture. You get to keep those more more of those guys around that Frost can just depend on to say, this is what we want out of the program. That frees up him a little bit from some of those – um, those player development pers- uh, responsibilities that he might have been having to do. Yep. Um. Some of the analyst, anything that the head coach has to do, which is a lot, like you said, he's delegating, but these are guys he's worked with. These are culture keepers that they're going to be able to take and instill all of that in the players. I really like these hires for a number of reasons, but most importantly, you have to turn that corner. That was uh, kind of damning from what we heard from Hymas, yeah. But you go forward with what you have. Yep, exactly. Uh, volleyball later today. Uh, men's basketball tomorrow. Women's basketball tomorrow. It, really, if
2: you turn on the TV at some point in the next week, the men's basketball team is probably playing. Pay attention to KLIN. We've got a lot
1: of games coming up. They'll be coming up.
2: <laughs> oh, darn. We didn't have any time to talk about the Super Bowl. That's too bad.
1: Oh, darn. Uh, boat parade. Uh, Nebraska Stop. baseball might be starting in less than three weeks anyway. Who, where are
2: they playing? They uh, might be playing in a tournament in March in Texas. Who knows? Keep it tuned here.